Welcome to Emron's podcast, episode number 80. This is your host, Suman Silwal. But as pacers, we are experienced at helping runners get through those changes. And I would say stick with your pacer for as long as you can. Visit mruns.com to listen to our previous podcast shows, links to our social media channels, as well as get discount codes for 7 Bridges Marathon and all Southeast and Trail Series events. I'd like to welcome Steve Spreiser from uh, Chicago. Steve is a coach as well as a fellow pacer. I was thinking about bringing somebody uh, to talk about pacing as part of the marathon. Steve and I, we're about to pace Chicago, so I thought it would be a great idea. Hopefully, everybody will enjoy uh, this podcast. Uh, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Suman, for having me. So tell us about the weather in Chicago. Today's Wednesday. Uh, race is Sunday. Tell us race weather. It has been, and I always joke with runners that are trying to plan for Chicago that the out-of-towners start frantically looking at the weather the week before the race, like, like every marathon runner. And uh, it is so variable in early October that what the weather forecast says seven days out, I I completely disregard. So it has gone from cloudy and then cloudy and rain to now looking like it's going to be sunny. Uh, They are saying warm, uh, a high of 77 for the day and a low of 60. So uh, I don't think we will see any world records on Sunday, but it is looking like it, it should be a fairly pleasant if above average temperature weather for the 40th running of Chicago. Yeah, it's uh, 77 high. It's pretty high for Chicago. But before we go further, uh, uh, you actually live in proper Chicago, correct? You're pretty close to the start-finish areas. It, that, that's correct. I, I grew up about uh, 40 miles northwest of Chicago in northern Illinois and currently live right along the route uh, between about miles 7 and 8, so the northernmost point on the course. Uh, uh, also work uh, right along the course in uh, the downtown area, so I'm very familiar with the course and have run it both competitively as well as a pacer definitely uh, talk about running how, how many years of uh, running have you chicago running have you done uh, so far this will be my fifth coming to chicago so i believe this will be my fourth uh i, I started in 2014 and have run it every year uh since then and uh the last year was my first year running it as a pacer definitely um 2010 is the first time i came and i kind of had a several years of gap that was my worst marathon ever but I, as a pacer, I love to come to Chicago and um, have an enjoyable day. Uh, let's focus on Chicago and more. I really, uh, not only Chicago, I wanted to focus more on pacing. A lot of uh, runners, uh, they don't know what pacing is or what, what pacers are. As a pacer, we get that question a lot. Do we have to pay? Is it a free? How do we do it? Uh, and all the kind of question. Uh, today, I'll just kind of bring this as a one pacer to next. Uh, let's uh, bring this out and uh, tell our fellow listener, not only going to Chicago, but any other marathons that this fall they'll be headed to. Next week, there's a Chattanooga. We have a lot of pacers. In all the big marathons, they, we, we have pacers this day. Let's talk about what is what is pacing. Yeah, that's a great question. And you know as well as I do, we get asked that every year at, at whatever races we pace. And, and I'll back up for a second and just say that, that even as a competitive runner, I still am running most of my miles and my splits when competing 
at an even pace. And so I, I think the the concept of pacing is incredibly important and, and not just for first-time marathon runners. Uh, Jared Ward, the uh, U.S. Olympian, uh, wrote his master's dissertation on the topic and showed that uh, when runners over an endurance distance run at a consistently even pace on the whole that group tends to perform better than than runners that are running at an uneven pace over the 26.2 miles or or 13.1 if if you're doing a a half marathon and so the concept of pacing is that i as a runner am, am going to be running at a consistently even pace for however much of the the race that i can in order to both conserve energy but also to be able to better maintain a consistent speed for to prevent muscular fatigue and uh, hopefully also better control the buildup of lactate and so for a first-time runner or returning runner large marathons and in many races even smaller than that tend to offer a group of individuals uh, known as pacers who run at an exact pace uh, for a generally a benchmark time, whether that's three hours or three hours, 15 minutes or four hours. And those pacers are designed to help more inexperienced runners or runners who prefer to outsource the pacing better manage themselves over the course of 26.2 miles. And so pacers are provided free of service in in marathons and in, in races. And our goal is simply to get runners across the finish line at whatever goal pace we are running at. And so our focus is on the runner and, and being able to accommodate them as much as possible while being bunny rabbits out there on the course. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, one other thing I, I like to add uh, as a pacer myself, I try my group tell them that don't worry about thinking, uh, just go with me, just listen, just go along in the ride. Um, usually it's a slow time for them. So just enjoy the ride. That's usually my paces. I usually do 430. Yours is 305. That's what you do, correct? That's a pretty speed pace are you doing that's correct and it but i think that the logic on that still applies in a very similar way as well i i tell our runners in in our group to outsource their thinking as much as possible and i like to say that uh you can generally find me along the course either having a, a talk show like conversation with uh my fellow pacer buddy or singing a, a horribly an irish song or some bruce springsteen or you two really just to keep the mind of the runner on something other than the race and and really to be able to prevent them from having to fatigue too early or face mental burnout at very tough points along the course. So I think that logic applies whether it's a three-hour pacer or 445 or a 530 pacer. Definitely. Uh, One other thing I want a listener to think about, um, even the first, uh, second, third winners, they have a pacers, uh, but they're more intense in their pacing and um, you hardly see see them talking pacer like us we are continuously talking like what steve just talked about and we like to you to outsource your thinking and then let us just uh, let us give you the show i didn't know that 305 you'd be able to talk but it looks like you do i mean for me it's probably i'll be hardly even breathing but i mean i'll be breathing heavy instead of talking but i guess the people they're trying to do the 305 are in 305 or at least 310 safe and they're trying to get that bq whatever the next they're trying to do correct steve it, that's correct and so i 
I think that's something that we try and remind our runners, especially given our particular group being one of the largest qualifying times for the Boston Marathon. The men's 18 to 39 group is three hours, five minutes. And we do tend to remind the runners that are running with us that if their goal is to get to Boston, that they will need to be faster than three hours, five minutes. That while we can guarantee them a qualifying spot, that is not necessarily a guarantee of a placement at Boston. Whereas some of the runners within our group that are running uh, 3.05, but their qualifying time is a 3.10, they tend to be a little bit safer with that buffer. Uh, But we do tend to advocate that runners do try and aim for a a goal pace uh, approximately, uh, or goal time, I should say, approximately five minutes faster than their Boston qualifying time. Definitely. Uh, A lot of time uh, in my pace group, 4.30, I get a lot of first-timers. They're just venturing in. I have a lot of people who are repeaters as well, but but they're trying to just uh, finish the race uh, as a role as far as they can go with me and kind of fade it away. Uh, Even in Chicago, I have seen I start with a big group and then they kind of fade away and then you know I roll more people as I go as as runners uh, you know I, I'll see them struggling and they're ahead of me I try to roll them in and some will be able to keep up with me for a while some actually finish with me but let's talk about a little bit about how do you do the split for for your group and my group I, I'll talk a little bit about how I do it my group tell us about how do you try to do your splits that's our uh, what a common question we get asked yeah that's a great question and I think every pacer especially the pace lead for whatever that group is tends to do it a little bit differently. Uh, I, I can tell you that as the pace leader for 305 last year and this year, one of the things that I tend to put a focus on is looking at the race from a little bit of a multi-dimensional perspective. So for example, uh, given that it's going to be hot on Sunday, our goal, while it is to run even splits over 26.2 miles, we will push our runners a little bit faster the the first 13 to give them a buffer for when the weather starts to warm up at about 8.30 or 9 a.m. And so by faster, we mean that for our group, we'll be running at about seven minutes, three seconds on average. We may push that to seven minutes or 6.58 as our average over those first 13 miles. And just to give the runners about a minute to 45 second buffer below what they should be coming in at the halfway point. And we do uh, manual splits on our watches. Uh, most of the pacers have GPS watches or smart watches. And so we have multiple systems in place to make sure that we're coming in as as close to the goal pace as possible, but also giving runners a bit of a buffer to allow them that time should they start to fatigue the last several miles on the course. Definitely. Uh, for me, uh, usually I try to make sure that I try to get as even split as possible. Like you said, it's not always possible. Some miles are slow, some miles are fast. Some miles you want to take a little bit longer time on the water stops, and we can talk about that a little bit. How do we do the water stop? And some miles it'll be slower because of the crowds and stuff. So so try to be as close to as possible. I never try to be faster or slower, but but I usually I call it a bubble. I keep a bubble, and within that bubble, we we kind of roll that bubble and um, try to make sure that uh, 
everybody in within that group are aware how fast or how slow we're supposed to be going so that we keep each other honest that's what i <laughs> i have wing yeah. i have wing mans and wing wing ladies uh i tell them like okay every mile every split i said okay what time is it we look at that everybody's watch uh and then we look at that time we're supposed to be on the chart so that's usually what i do a lot of time i just follow the chart uh, that that's provided uh, if you go to a nike um, uh, booth or or if you can you can also buy it the races if you don't have it so look at look at every splits that you're supposed to be and usually uh that's just to every mile try to get people engaged so so that's usually how that works for me and um kind of get everybody involved in a not the sense of thinking about the race but more aware of how fast how slow we're going so kind of kind of everybody's uh sometime i i get people say oh, we're going too fast i said no no just don't worry it's just it'll, it'll work out so <laughs> exactly and i think that's um a great analogy for this and i think it goes back to the point i made that even professional runners run at consistent paces one of my favorite pro runners is desi linden and it's very interesting to watch her run a race and what the commentators will say about her because she runs uh, her philosophy and it's the hansen's brothers philosophy is to run at an exact pace as close to an exact pace for all 26.2 miles and so when other runners the the women's pack will surge or fall behind the, the comment will say, well, Desi's either pushing or she's anchoring. And really, Desi is running at the exact pace that she has been. It, it's the other runners that are either falling back or speeding up. And, and so that's, I think, part of the what I find is so fantastic about the way Desi runs is that it is an exact pace for as close to those 26.2 as possible and so even the elites will follow those same guidelines and try and operate in that bubble of making sure that their goal is mile to mile being within one to three seconds of that pace so uh it's something that's not just for first-time marathon runners or first-time half marathon runners so definitely uh personally i I cannot pace myself when i'm racing but i'm running seven bridges next weekend so i have a couple of pacers they will pace my pace me 320 so (laughs) i don't (laughs) i don't pace myself but i i 430 so when i when i get in that's that's always wonderful for me to pace uh, that group uh, group a lot of new runners uh, first time runners but uh, talking about uh, one of the other things uh, that I want to talk about is the question that we get asked a lot say uh, what do you do in a water stop how do you do in a water stop do you stop or something uh, I usually tell people I'm, I'm like a freight train I'm, I make slow down in the water stop but I usually don't stop or you know I'm, I don't wait for people so it's a lot of time uh, I warn them ahead of time saying hey in a water stop coming you can go ahead get your water and then uh, Sometimes people give me water, uh, get me water if I miss the water stop. So, so usually it works like that. What do you do for you? Yeah, that's a, a great way to look at it. And, and I'm pretty similar. Uh, we will slow down at most, if not all, water stops. Uh, and I would say all water stops, especially after about mile five to mile seven but our focus is on slowing down not stopping we do that for a number of reasons one of them is safety uh we would rather not have runners that many runners stopping very suddenly with with a wall of runners coming behind them (laughs) and the second reason why is again we are trying to keep it as consistent as possible 
for the runners in our group and and we we don't want to be in a position of stop and go running and so we we recommend slowing down we recommend that runners to the best of their ability try and signal the volunteers at, at the water stop or at the gatorade stop but our focus as pacers is is really to keep the pace as opposed to waiting for any one particular runner definitely uh, that's leading up to that that other conversation on this one is uh, a lot of times say would you wait for us if i had to go to bathroom or something happened to us uh usually uh we are told uh, i mean we usually we don't wait for anybody we just like like i said a minute ago we're a kind of train moving we're slowly moving train towards the finishing line so so we usually don't we usually don't stop at all you know we are human ourselves and uh, we're not perfect but other than that as long as we're moving we're moving to the finishing line with that pace uh so that's usually what i tell people say you know it's not if you fall behind you need to catch up yeah and and that's i mean i think the the dynamics of a race like Chicago is that most of us as pacers are starting with uh, in some cases over a hundred runners with with our group and so our, our focus is really on that group as a whole and making sure that those that can stick with us for 26.2 miles do have that guarantee of being able to cross at their goal time or goal pace and uh, while unfortunate we we are generally not able to stop or pause for any runners outside of uh, emergency or extenuating circumstances definitely i remember my first time pacing uh about mile seven one of the runner fall on us she took a fall and broke her front teeth i didn't know what to do i had a fellow pacer and she was training me and she said just uh, look after her a little bit and make sure she's okay she kind of moved ahead so so i found her teeth on the, <laughs> on the street i gave it to her i didn't know what to do so so uh, after she said she was okay and then uh, after that i kind of continued on and caught up with the group so usually that's uh, that's the case i think we're talking about and uh, usually uh we like to get you to the medical uh, if if you're a runner and something happens to you we probably like medical people to look after you than us so i think that's usually the case incorrect and, and i think especially for um a race like chicago which since uh, the the major heat wave that hit the course back in in the mid 2000s i believe 2007 the race itself has done a much better job of of uh, making sure that there is not only adequate medical care along uh, the finish line stretch, but also along the course. And, and, and our focus as pacers is to make sure that we can get that runner to emergency responders, but again, also to make sure that to the best of our ability, we are also focusing on the task at hand, which is getting that larger group across the finish line. Definitely. So let's move forward. Uh, let's talk about uh, the wall, when when the wall start coming. They usually for first-time marathoner, it starts about 18, you go about 22. That's what that's what I usually tell people that's the hardest part once you get to the 22 it's uh it's it's home stretch I mean it's not that easy but it's the home stretch tell us about how how do you handle your group uh when when the wall start coming and then uh, you had to hold that group and you guys are moving pretty fast even my group I have to be sure that everybody's with me by then I know a lot of people's name at least faces so I'll scream at them make sure that they're with me and you know things like that to kind of let them know that I'm there for them so tell us about how how do you, how do you handle those uh, when the walls start falling very similar i think for myself it, it's a it's a combination of as much as i can trying to personalize the encouragement that i'm giving runners by about 20 to 23 generally the 3 hour and 5 minute group and, and so 
some of those faster groups. The amount of runners that are with us at that point has dwindled to the point that if I don't know someone on a first name basis that I met in the corrals that morning, I'm at least able to give them some feedback based on having uh, interacted with them for the last few hours on the course. Additionally, I, I borrow from what Mem Kaflizki talks about, which is a lot of runners, especially first time marathon runners, when they reach mile 18 or reach mile 23, they start to internalize the pain and the fatigue and the micro tears that are happening in their muscles and, and that lactate buildup. And, uh, as much as we as pacers are, are having a conversation throughout the course, I know and I'm not naive enough to think that the runners are listening to us at that point. So I try and change the dynamics a little bit and, and focus on reminding the runners of the need to focus on form and that they should be thinking about their technique and are their shoulders low enough? Are they moving their hands back and forth enough? And it sounds odd, but if we change the focus a little bit so that they are thinking more more about form and technique and and if they're getting proper form along the course that shifts the focus and their mindset away from the pain or away from the fatigue and 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 for our runners that's incredibly important as it is for for any runner but uh, especially up in in those faster groups where uh runners tend to be very self-conscious of their pace our focus is to make sure that they're thinking about the right things as they move closer to the finish line definitely uh Um, Before we uh, get to the finish line, uh, a couple of things I want to mention here is that uh, one of the things I do uh, traditionally, so some of the big races, they have every 5K split. So usually I I sing a song about (laughs) saying goodbye to 5K. So a lot of folks, uh, as they get on my face group, we sing that, continuously singing that song every 5K. So I was told once that somebody who dropped off and she started singing uh, once she crossed uh, all all those 5Ks, last few 5Ks she had. So for me, I enjoy watching that one runner, two runners, they're just working so hard. You know, it's their first marathon and they're just pushing and holding on their dear life with me to go get to the finishing line, you know, just a wonderful feeling, you know, when, when, when the run is like that, you know, but because they have never experienced such a thing in life. And, and it's, uh, so anyway, uh, let's, let's talk about uh, getting close to the finishing line. Uh, uh, what do you do as you get close to finishing line? Do you look at if, if you don't have a time or if you have to make up time, do you try to do that? We should be uh, pretty much close to the, to the dot, correct? Uh, that's how it works for you. Generally, we are pretty close, and, and in other races that I have paced, uh, my goal has been to make sure that we're not in a situation at, at 22 or 23 where we need to shave uh, 40 seconds or a minute off of our time. Uh, I, I think it, as we're starting to get closer to the finish line, my goal is not just to make sure we're on pace, but also making sure that runners are, are still hydrating and still getting enough water and or Gatorade uh, and sodium into their systems uh, to make sure that we can get them to the finish line. Line, especially for warmer weather races. As we get close, especially to race like Chicago, where there are a lot of individuals close to that finish line, I tend to run ahead a little bit and uh, get the crowd going just to give those runners a little <laughs> bit of motivational support and really get the crowd cheering so that, that when they're turning with the last 400 or 600 meters to go, that there is 
uh, a little bit more excitement than than perhaps they were expecting going into those final few miles or final few turns. And so that's one strategy that we've used. I think also um, really making sure that, that we're coming in right around our goal pace, if not just a little bit under goal pace again just so that if we have a runner that that is cutting it incredibly close with their goal that we can give them a bit of a buffer uh as as they're they're making their way down that final home stretch definitely do you try to uh, push your runners uh if they're uh close to finish line 20 22 miles they're there you, you look at them they're pretty strong still strong and they could push a little harder do you try to push them forward or or do you keep them with you to the finish line? That's a great question. I, I think it really depends on the runner, but the way that, that I have in the past countered this is at certain points on the course, I will make suggestions of when it would be a good time to jettison. So if a runner is looking to be under the goal time that we're running at, I'll make some suggestions around when is a good spot, such as when we turn onto a major straightaway. With runners where it looks like they are starting to struggle, my goal is, is to have them push themselves enough to maintain pace generally the runners that that look to accelerate we remind them that if at any point they need to pull back that that we will maintain our pace throughout the next few miles uh and that they are more than welcome to slot right back in but our goal is really again to make sure that that we're coming in as a pacer it is close to that pace as possible but giving runners the encouragement that that if they do want to proceed ahead that they're not obligated to stay with us but we will only make the guarantee that they're going to be able to finish if they do stick with us definitely i have done in the past uh one year i did right before 40k and we were about to sing a song and they were like we don't we're not singing song now <laughs> so uh, one thing i decided that year on that uh, i said if, if you have gone with me all the way to 40k and uh, last two k's you're staying with me <laughs> you're not going anywhere so so usually that's what i tell them but because you know you you have suffered enough now you know it's time to have fun and just but usually like you uh i tell them say you know if you feel good you know eight and by mile 20 onward i start telling if you want to go now and now now so once you get to close to 24 you know 25 miles it's they might have just stay so so that's what i do i what do you what is uh once you cross the finishing line what is your tradition usually i tell them to uh, wait for me or uh, if we don't finish together or i'll wait for them and wait for beer and they usually you know you know after three to five minutes i they will show up so if they have fallen behind uh, this year on this year on i'm going to be more organized uh if you're running chicago and if you're in my pace group and they fall behind or stay ahead uh, stay on the left that's my favorite side stay on the left and then uh, get the go to second beer truck or something (laughs) or first or second i'll wait for you so what do you do yeah that's a great question you know with our group uh it tends to be a pretty intimate group at that point in, in the race and so we'll high five or, or I'll try and grab them after they cross the finish line. If they're looking strong enough that they're able to still comprehend what's going on around, our focus is to just give them a congratulations and, and, and really thank them for, for sticking with us for all 26.2 miles. Definitely. Uh, one of the things I might tradition now is uh, if, you, if you're a first timer and if I'm allowed to give you my pacer stick, they get the 
Pacers stick. We were the first timer and stayed with me from the beginning to end. So <laughs> one person will get it. So so usually uh, they they love it. Uh, I don't know what they do with it, but but they love it. They always have fun taking that pacer stick. So so that pretty much brings from beginning to end uh, for the racing. Um, so as we move forward, uh, give us some advice uh, as a coach. And I, I saw your Facebook post. Give us advice about uh, as coming up race uh, the, in Chicago race or any any big race uh, weather, all this condition uh, as people are preparing this week. Uh, what this what what should they do? Yeah, great question. Uh, my focus, and I, I, I tell the runners I coach this, is control the controllable. Uh, there are certain things that you just can't control at this point. So weather is is really out of your hands. That said, you can prepare for what you might dress in in, in different forms of weather. Um, so making sure you have the right kind of gear and, and, and right mental strategy going into the race. Making sure you're getting enough sleep in the nights leading up to the race, not necessarily the night before. But also just making sure that they're going through in their head a mental checklist of, of everything they've done so far in the last several months of training and really having that confidence that at this point, there isn't a whole lot more you're going to be able to do in terms of training that would affect the outcome of the race. So it, really, the focus is on staying healthy. It's on beginning to, to switch a diet to really adapt to what the needs are going to be for race day and ultimately just uh, having a certain certain sense of calm as much as you can going into race weekend and and uh, really putting a focus on internalizing what your goal strategy is versus what is plan B or plan C or plan D if, if it's inclement weather or if it's warm weather and, and trying to internalize those as much as possible. I would say those are, are the biggest takeaways that, that I give the runners I coach uh, leading up to race day. Definitely. Uh, talk about in warm weather. I just thought about <laughs> we we just came from a hot summer. So 77 should be just just should be just fine. But but we know how that goes. Correct. We we, we just came last time we talked. We talked uh, about Boston hot weather, but usually coming from the summer to fall, it should not affect so much if you if you have been training uh, during the hot summer, especially 90, 90 degree weather. Seventy seven should be still feel warm. Uh, Chicago should be being a windy city, so it should have some winds coming through. Tell us about uh, what kind of things uh, we should look forward in Chicago. You being uh, local to Chicago, if uh, first time runners they're coming to Chicago, what what should they expect in terms of the course and in, in, in- and sights and scenes on the course? Yes, as course and sight and scene on the course. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, my my first thought is that don't worry as much about your watch the first few miles. Uh, Chicago is notorious for having a very crowded first few miles, not to the level of Boston, but still both very crowded and then also very difficult for a GPS watch to pick up a signal given that you are in the downtown area and at one point in a series of tunnels on Columbus Drive. So at that point, don't worry as much about the the watch. Uh, stick with your group. Uh, it is a pretty fast start to the course. Uh, all, and I would also say that the crowds are, are, are pretty large in that downtown area and uh, for about the first 9 to 13 miles. And so I think one of the unique things about Chicago in particular is that the race itself goes through many different neighborhoods ranging from downtown to Lincoln Park and Lakeview and Old Town on the north side and then out to the near west side to the medical district and to the University of Illinois at Chicago. 
and, and Little Italy, and then winding all the way back through um, Pilsen, which is a uh, historic neighborhood for having a very large uh, population of uh, primarily Mexican-American immigrants. And uh, they do a fantastic job of, of coming out every year with a, a really, really authentic Mexican-style celebration. So every year there's pinatas out on the course. Uh, I, I've seen individuals throwing out uh, little kind of ethnic candies to some of the runners. And past Pilsen, you're moving into Chinatown, which is another really fun neighborhood. It's very brief. And, and at that point between Pilsen and Chinatown, a lot of runners are starting to fatigue. But I think one of the great things about those neighborhoods is that there is a, a tremendous amount of crowd support. Whereas around the 20 to 23 mark, as you're moving closer to the south side along the Dan Ryan Expressway, the crowds do start to thin. And so I encourage my runners there to, again, put a focus on technique and on form because that tends to be a pretty difficult point in the course for them. But past that point, as they're approaching 24 and 25 and moving back in from Bronzeville neighborhood back to the Prairie District and to the South Loop, the crowds do start to increase again. And that point, uh, runners are, are seeing the, the full full skyline again and, and, and some familiar landmarks like the Sears Tower or the Willis Tower, as it's now called, uh, in, in the Hancock Center. And uh, that's a really a, a jubilant point for many of them that they're they're just about to hit the, the finish line. And uh, my one final word of caution is that the there is one final hill at just about the 26 <laughs> yeah. mile mark. It's, uh, it we call it a Chicago style hill. It's not it's not a major hill, but uh, it does hit at a very demoralizing point along the course. And so we we do try and forewarn our runners that uh, they do have to climb a little bit of a hill, followed by a downhill uh, leading up to the the finish line back on Columbus Drive. Definitely. That's a, a preview of the whole course and the things you can see in the at Chicago Marathon. You, you brought some memory back uh, from the Chicago. There's a couple of spots also uh, that's not too highlighted. There's the Brazilian Samba. They always, I mean, I have seen them uh, for years now, and they're kind of growing. And, and also the areas, uh, I think right before Chinatown, there is a Korean group. Uh, they they also bring the music. So so those are the some of the new smaller highlights there. But you know it's it's pretty fun fun marathon and pretty pretty flat marathon to be. So I'm looking forward to be back at Chicago and uh, hopefully we will have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, if you are headed to Chicago, the, all the listeners uh, will be at all the Pacers will be at the Chicago Marathon Expo. And I think, Steve, you, you and I work in the same shift, correct? That's correct. Uh, I will be there most of uh, late Saturday morning through early evening. And uh, as you mentioned, Suman, uh, the, the Pacers do staff the expo at the Pacer booth from, from all day Friday through all day Saturday. So I, I would encourage as many runners as possible to try and, and find the, the, the Pace booth and to either meet some of their potential Pacers and or uh, at least be able to pick up uh, one of the temporary tattoos that uh, would have their their goal pace uh, marked on there for them. So uh, it, it's a great weekend, and we're we're definitely looking forward to hosting many runners coming in from all around the country and all around the world. 
definitely Chicago. What's the what's the number for Chicago? This is the 40th Chicago running of Chicago, correct? This is and uh, just about 40,000 runners. So it, it it's a big crowd, but it's also a very uh, very historic year for them, and uh, I think that'll make it even more special. Definitely have. I'm glad to run five of those 40. So <laughs> so yeah, an eighth of the way done. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, Steve, uh, we talked a lot about the pacing, racing, uh, Chicago Marathon, I mean, and everything that you can uh, listen about pacing, especially. Uh, you can hear about that um, before we close our interview. I just want you to just give some word advice to runners coming in uh, uh, to Chicago for the first time and, uh, and, and staying in one of our pace group. Give us a word of advice. Yeah, I, I think the, the biggest one would be stick with the pacers and uh, be prepared that although it is a flat course, the weather does change at some points along the course. Uh, whether you are closer to the lake and, and have some of the shadows from the buildings, and, and it does change when you do get out to the, the west and, and south sides. And so uh, be prepared for that. But as pacers, we are experienced at helping runners get through those changes. And I would say stick with your pacer for as long as you can definitely uh, that's also I have similar word advice that I like to give is to be patient uh, with the pacer we know what we're doing uh, and, and sometimes runners are not patient because you you have been through training cycle now tapering you're about to your legs are want to go faster than you should um, be patient and and kind of work through the pacer and it's fun to be around Pacer, uh, we are trained to help you to get to the finish line, just like Steve said. So come join any of the Pace group. There's so many of them at Chicago and many other marathons. Before we uh, close this interview, uh, Steve, I'd like to invite you to Marathon Runs Pace. And if anybody has any question, uh, I would like to see if you can answer those questions if i if i'm not able to after i post this podcast absolutely I, i'm happy to answer uh, any questions that come in and for your listeners that are coming to chicago this weekend our pace team will be able to answer any of your questions in person whether it's on friday or saturday we're staffed there the entire time so ask away no question is a dumb question all of our pacers are experienced runners and, and have been through this before and uh, we're happy to share any advice that we can Definitely. Uh, definitely, Steve. Uh, looking forward to meeting you again and uh, see you at Chicago in a few days. All right, Suma. Thank you so much for having me on and looking forward to seeing you here this weekend. Thank you. If you have a need to cover your events from marketing to taking photos, please contact mruns.com by emailing at marathonruns at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast channel, Voice of Runners, at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and more. And also follow our social media channel, Marathon Runs, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube.